Chapter Four of Cousin Henry by Anthony Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Squire's Death. With a sore heart, Isabel went her way to Hereford, troubled because she saw nothing but sorrow and vexation in store for her uncle. I know that I am getting weaker every day, he said, and yet it was not long since he had spoken of living for two years. Shall I stay? asked Isabel. No, that would be wrong. You ought to go to your father. I suppose that I shall live until you come back. Oh, Uncle Indefer, what if I die? It is not that that troubles me. Then she kissed him and left him. She knew how vain it was to ask any further questions, understanding thoroughly the nature of his sorrow. The idea that this nephew must be the master of Lanfear was so bitter to him that he could hardly endure it. And then, added to this, was the vexation of the nephew's presence. That three weeks should be passed alone with the man, three weeks of the little that was left to him of life, seemed to be a cruel addition to the greater sorrow. But Isabel went, and the uncle and nephew were left to do the best they could with each other's company. Isabel had not seen Mr. Owen or heard from him since the writing of that letter in which she had told him of her uncle's decision. Now it would be necessary that she should meet him, and she looked forward to doing so almost with fear and trembling. On one point she had made up her mind, or thought that she had made up her mind. As she had refused him when supposed to be the heiress of Lanfear, she certainly would not accept him should he feel himself constrained by a sense of honour to renew his offer to her, now that her position was so different. She had not accused him in her own heart of having come to her because of her supposed wealth. Thinking well of him in other matters, she thought well of him also in that but still there was the fact that she had refused him when supposed to be an heiress, and not even to secure her happiness would she allow him to think that she accepted him because of her altered circumstances. And yet she was in love with him, and had now acknowledged to herself that it was so. Her position in this, as in all things, seemed to be so cruel. Had she been the heiress of Lanfear, she could not have married him, because it would then have been her duty to comply with the wishes of her uncle. No such duty would now be imposed upon her, at any rate after her uncle's death. As simple Isabel Broderick, she might marry whom she would, without bringing discredit upon the end of her Joneses. But that which she had been constrained to do before her uncle had changed his purpose now tied her hands. It did seem to her cruel, but she told herself that it was her peculiar duty to bear such cruelty without complaint. Of her uncle's intense love to her she was fully aware, and, loving him as warmly, was prepared to bear everything on his account. His vacillation had been unfortunate for her, but in everything he had done the best according to his lights. Perhaps there was present to her mind something of the pride of a martyr. Perhaps she gloried a little in the hardship of her position. But she was determined to have her glory and her martyrdom all to herself. No human being should ever hear from her lips a word of complaint against her uncle Indefer. The day after her arrival her father asked her a few questions as to her uncle's intentions in reference to the property. "'I think it is all settled,' she said. "'I think it has been left to my cousin Henry.' "'Then he has changed his mind,' said her father angrily. "'He did mean to make you his heiress.' "'Henry is at Lanfear now, and Henry will be his heir. "'Why has he changed? "'Nothing can be more unjust than to make a promise in such a manner and then to break it. "'Who says that he made a promise? "'You have never heard anything of the kind from me.' "'Papa, I would so much rather not talk about Lanfear. Ever since I have known him, Uncle Indefer has been all love to me. I would not allow a thought of mine to be polluted by ingratitude towards him.' 
whatever he has done he has done because he thought it to be the best perhaps i ought to tell you that he has made some charge on the property on my behalf which will prevent my being a burden upon you a week or ten days after this when she had been nearly a fortnight at hereford she was told that william owen was coming in to drink tea this communication was made to her by her stepmother in that serious tone which is always intended to convey a matter of importance had any other minor canon or any other gentleman been coming to tea the fact would have been announced in a different manner i shall be delighted to see him said isabel suppressing with her usual fortitude any slightest symptom of emotion i hope you will my dear i am sure he is very anxious to see you then mr owen came and drank his tea in the midst of the family isabel could perceive that he was somewhat confused not quite able to talk in his usual tone and that he was especially anxious as to his manner toward her she took her part in the conversation as though there were nothing peculiar in the meeting she spoke of Lanfear, of her uncle's failing health, and of her cousin's visit, taking care to indicate by some apparently chance word that Henry was received there as the heir. She played her part well, evincing no sign of special feeling, but her ear was awake to the slightest tone in his voice after he had received the information which she had given him. She knew that his voice was altered, but she did not read the alteration altogether aright. "'I shall call in the morning,' he said, as he gave her his hand at parting." There was no pressure of the hand, but still he had addressed himself especially to her. Why should he come in the morning? She had made up her mind, at the spur of the moment, that the news which he had heard had settled that matter forever. But if so, why should he come in the morning? Then she felt, as she sat alone in her room, that she had done him a foul injustice in that spur of the moment. It must be that she had done him an injustice, or he would not have said that he would come. But if he could be generous, so could she. She had refused him when she believed herself to be the heiress of Lanfear, and she certainly would not accept him now. On the next morning, about eleven o'clock, he came. She had become aware that it was the intention of all the family that she should see him alone, and she made no struggle against that intention. As such intention existed, the interview must of course take place, and as well now as later. There was no confidence on the matter between herself and her stepmother, no special confidence between even herself and her half-sisters, but she was aware that they all supposed that Mr. Owen was to come there on that morning for the sake of renewing his offer to her. It was soon done when he had come. "'Isabel,' he said, "'I have brought with me that letter which you wrote to me. Will you take it back again?' And he held it out in his hand. "'Nay, why should I take back my own letter?' she answered, smiling. "'Because I hope—' I do not say I trust, but I hope that I may receive an altered answer. Why should you hope so? she asked, foolishly enough. Because I love you so dearly. Let me say something very plainly. If it be a long story, forgive me, because of its importance to myself. I did think that you were, well, inclined to like me. Like you? I always liked you. I do like you. I hoped more. Perhaps I thought more. Nay, Isabel, do not interrupt me. When they told me that you were to be your uncle's heir, I knew that you ought not to marry me. Why not? Well, I knew that it should not be so. I knew that your uncle would think so. Yes, he thought so. I knew that he would, and I accepted your answer as conveying his decision. I had not intended to ask the heiress of Lanfear to be my wife. Why not? Why not? I had not intended to ask the heiress of Lanfear to be my wife, he said, repeating the words. I learned last night that it was not to be so. No, it is not to be so. "'Then why should not Isabel Broderick be the wife of William Owen, if she likes him? "'If only she can bring herself to like him well enough.' "'She could not say that she did not like him well enough. "'She could not force herself to tell such a lie. 
and yet there was her settled purpose still strong in her mind having refused him when she believed herself to be rich she could not bring herself to take him now that she was poor she only shook her head mournfully you cannot like me well enough for that it must not be so must not why must not it cannot be so then isabel you must say that you do not love me i need say nothing mr owen again she smiled as she spoke to him it is enough for me to say that it cannot be so if i ask you not to press me further i am sure that you will not do so i shall press you further he said as he left her but i will leave you a week to think of it she took the week to think of it and from day to day her mind would change as she thought of it why should she not marry him if thus they might both be happy why should she cling to a resolution made by her when she was in error as to the truth she knew now she was now quite certain that when he had first come to her he had known nothing of her promised inheritance he had come then simply because he loved her and for that reason and for that reason only he had come now again and yet and yet there was her resolution and there was the ground on which she had founded it though he might not remember it now would he not remember hereafter that she had refused him when she was rich and accepted him when she was poor where then would be her martyrdom where her glory where her pride were she to do so she would only do as would any other girl though she would not have been mean she would seem to have been mean and would so seem to his eyes when the week was over she had told herself that she must be true to her resolution there had been something said about him in the family but very little the stepmother was indeed afraid of isabel though she had endeavoured to conquer her own fear of using authority and her half-sisters though they loved her held her in awe there was so little that was weak about her so little that was self-indulgent so little that was like the other girls around them it was known that mr owen was to come again on a certain day at a certain hour and it was known also for what purpose he was to come but no one had dared to ask a direct question as to the result of his coming he came and on this occasion her firmness almost deserted her when he entered the room he seemed to her to be bigger than before and more like her master as the idea that he was so fell upon her she became aware that she loved him better than ever she began to know that with such a look as he now wore he would be sure to conquer she did not tell herself that she would yield but thoughts flitted across her as to what might be the best manner of yielding isabel he said taking her by the hand isabel i have come again as i told you that i would she could not take her hand from him nor could she say a word to him in her accustomed manner as he looked down upon her she felt that she had already yielded when suddenly the door was opened and one of the girls hurried into the room isabel said her sister there is a telegram for you just come from carmarthen of course she opened it instantly with perturbed haste and quivering fingers the telegram was as follows your uncle is very ill very ill indeed and wishes you to come back quite immediately the telegram was not from her cousin henry but from the doctor there was no time then either for giving love or for refusing it the paper was handed to her lover to read and then she rushed out of the room as though the train which was to carry her would start instantly you will let me write to you by and by said mr owen as she left him but she made no answer to him as she rushed out of the room nor would she make any answer to any of the others as they expressed either hope or consolation when was the next train when should she reach carmarthen when would she once more be at the old man's bedside in the course of the afternoon she did leave hereford and at about ten o'clock that night she was at carmarthen some one concerned had looked into this matter of trains and there at the station was a fly ready to take her to lanfear before eleven her uncle's hand was in hers as she stood by his bedside 
her cousin henry was in the room and so was the housekeeper who had been with him constantly almost ever since she had left him she had seen at once by the manner of the old servants as she entered the house from the woeful face of the butler and from the presence of the cook who had lived in the family for the last twenty years that something terrible was expected it was not thus that she would have been received had not the danger been imminent dr powell says miss isabel that you are to be told that he will be here quite early in the morning this coming from the cook told her that her uncle was expected to live that night but that no more was expected uncle indefer she said how is it with you uncle indefer speak to me he moved his head a little upon the pillow he turned his face somewhat towards hers there was some slight return to the grasp of her hand there was a gleam of loving brightness left in his eye but he could not then speak a word when after an hour she left his room for a few minutes to get rid of her travelling clothes and to prepare herself for watching by him through the night the housekeeper whom isabel had known ever since she had been at lanfear declared that in her opinion her uncle would never speak again the doctor miss isabel thought so when he left us she hurried down and at once occupied the place which the old woman had filled for the last three days and nights before long she had banished the woman so that to her might belong the luxury of doing anything if aught could be done that her cousin should be there was altogether unnecessary if the old man could know any one at his deathbed, he certainly would not wish to see the heir whom he had chosen you must go you must indeed said isabel then the cousin went and so at last with some persuasion did the housekeeper she sat there hour after hour with her hand lying gently upon his when she would move it for a moment though it was to moisten his lips he would give some sign of impatience for hours he lay in that way till the early dawn of the summer morning broke into the room through the chink of the shutters then there came from him some sign of a stronger life and at last with a low muttered voice indistinct but not so indistinct but that the sounds were caught he whispered a word or two it is all right it is done soon afterwards she rang the bell violently and when the nurse entered the room she declared that her old master was no more when the doctor arrived at seven having ridden out from carmarthen there was nothing for him further to do but to give a certificate as to the manner of the death of endifer jones esq late of lanfear in the county of carmarthen End of chapter four